0: News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Tuesday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110 is the telephone number. And, guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you follow me on X, then you would know that my next guest is coming up, and that is Hal Weatherman. Hal Weatherman is running for lieutenant governor. He's considered one of the two or three front runners to win the Republican primary and most likely go against Rachel Hunt in November. So first of all, Hal, I really do appreciate you joining me tonight. And second of all, how did you wake up one day and just all of a sudden decide, you know what, I'm running for lieutenant governor?
1: Yeah, I actually get asked that question quite often. you know, some people will know that I served as chief of staff to the previous Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, and so, you know, a job that afforded me the opportunity to travel the state extensively over a 10-year period, because I was with him for 10 years, and we did over 500,000 miles of travel in-state, so I've been to all 100 counties multiple times, even before I launched this run for Lieutenant Governor for me. Um uh, you know, been in and out of all the counties, and I think that's important because you have to learn the state and know the state if you want to lead a state. You know, it was specifically it was, um, I guess, uh, right after the last election cycle, um, the day after that, my wife and I both woke up and um, had the same fault, if you will, and um, it was clear at that point that Mark Robinson was going to try to ascend up to the governorship and. We are just talking about that, and she was like, you know, why don't you run for lieutenant Go. Why, why aren't we doing this? I mean, you know the state. You've served in the office. you served with Dan Forrest. And, of course, we came up short on the governor's run, and there were so many things that were left unfinished there, you know, projects that I had hoped to accomplish with Dan, um, you know, with him in the governorship. And I can't do all of that from the office of lieutenant governor, but I can do some. And we just talked about, it, like, why would we let – all those years of service and the knowledge we accrued over the travel of their state, um, go for nothing. And so we prayed, we're, we're believers. And so we prayed about it. Um, and then we brought our family into it and I have three kids, all teenagers brought them into it because it's a family commitment. As you know, if you run statewide, um, cause it's a huge sacrifice for everybody and brought my mom and dad and a few other you know, people that I would consider, you know, just kind of spiritual mentors Uh, to us to pray about it, and just all of us had a very strong sense of peace that this is what we were to do, and uh, in very short order, um, we hit the road. And really, no fanfare, no major announcement. We just, I think we were the first candidate in the field and started traveling the state. And since then, I've gone to all 100 counties. Um, I, I believe I'm the only candidate that's done that. I don't know. But we've gone to all 100 counties. We've gone to 35 counties five times or more. Um, So, I mean, we've, you know, my style of campaigning is extensive travel and and take the race to the people. I'm very aware that, you know, the governor's race, you know, might be a 44 million plus dollar race. Lieutenant governor's race is much less than that. Same territory, same people, same everything but you have to take the race to the people because, you know, they might be focused on the governors, but, uh, you know, you kind of have to bring the lieutenant governor into their focus. And so um, I enjoy it, and I'm not going to lie to you. I, I enjoy traveling the state. Um, I love it. I love the state. I was born in the state. I, I've, I've loved traveling it with Dan Forrest. I love traveling it, you know, myself uh, because it affords me the ability to meet with our greatest asset, which are our people. And, you know, when you're a candidate, you get to meet the janitor all the way up to the CEO and everywhere in between. And everybody has a story, and I love hearing their stories, and um, good or bad. I like to, you know, have ears to hear and eyes to see what people are saying to me because that's how you learn the state. And, um, you know, I want to help lead the state. And um, so anyway, it's been good training for me.
0: I'm talking with Hal Weatherman, who's running for lieutenant governor on the Republican side, and he's considered one of the top front runners to win the primary on March 5th. So, Hal, tell me and the listeners why lieutenant governor is important. So, I mean, you know, the lieutenant governor
1: is the president of the state senate, also serves on the state board of education, also serves on the state board of community colleges, serves as president of the Energy Policy Council, which is a little-known body, but very influential in terms of crafting energy policy for the state. But, you know, I hate to to say the elephant in the room, but the elephant in the room is you always have to remember when you're electing a lieutenant governor, you are electing a governor in waiting. And I don't mean from an ambitious standpoint that in some future election, five times in our state history, the governor has either died, been removed, or otherwise incapacitated. And we have, you know, an automatic secession plan here in North Carolina that the lieutenant governor automatically assumes the governorship. And so you have to think about that. You know, does this person have the wisdom, the experience, uh, the knowledge of the state um, and the workings of the state government to step in? God forbid something like that would happen. Could he be the commander-in-chief of our guard, both air and ground, National Guard? Uh, Can he commute sentences, pardon sentences? Can he preside over 98,000 plus state employees? Can he have virtual unilateral uh, authority and control over the state property? Uh, because the governor has that with some checks and balances. Can he serve on the council of state serve as as a check and balance um, on the existing governor? You know, it's all these things. So um, I think it's very important, but what attracts me to the office of Lieutenant governor are the board positions on the state board of education and state board of community colleges. Um, You know, I I preach a message of self-sufficiency all over the state. I feel called to run this race. I feel called to deliver a message that's on my heart, which is, I want to prepare our people um, to stand alone in a dangerous world. And I want to prepare our state to be self sufficient and dependent um, on no one but itself um, to face the challenges that are ahead. And, you know, when I talk about self sufficiency for man, uh, and when I mean man, I always mean mankind. I mean it in the biblical context man and woman. See, I think God put man on this earth to work. That's what I believe. Um, that's where a man gets his dignity from when he works. That's where our self respect comes from. That's where we teach ourselves self sufficiency. And it's where we train the next generation what's expected of them in adulthood by watching mom and dad work. And I was really upset during COVID, um, when Governor Cooper stood behind a podium day in and day out and labeled half of his population here in North Carolina as quote essential workers and the other half as non essential workers. And I thought that was a disgusting statement. You know, I, I I believe that if that job puts food on the table, if that job puts clothing on your kid's back, if it puts shelter over your family's head, I promise you that job is essential to you. And so what I, you know, I want to restore the basic concept of the dignity of work because I think we've lost it as a society. And when I say that, I want to remove the stigma. I want, When I'm on the State Board of Education, State Board of Community Colleges, I want to use those two positions to remove the stigma our society has put on men and women who work with their hands. I want to drive people into the trades. I tell young people all the time that come to me, what should I do with my life? And I'll say, do you want to be an entrepreneur and own your own business? Yes. Do you want to make six figures a year? Well, yeah. Would you like to build a business that you could build and sell 10 to 15 years from now for seven figures and retire? Yes. I'm like, go be a plumber. Go into HVAC. Go be a commercial welder. Go be an electrician. So, see, I want to drive people into the trades. And restore the basic concept of the dignity of work and there's specific things I can do from those two positions I want to create a two and two degree I want to work with the general assembly I want to work with the community college system and um, the UNC system of schools to where kids that are going to go to college uh, create a new degree program where they can go the first two years to a trade school uh, get certified get a degree in one of the trades and then transfer over to the four-year university system and complete their studies in graphic design, marketing, budget, finance, business. So they have all the tools to be an entrepreneur and own their own business coupled with the skill set, the trades, that's going to make them profitable and self-sufficient the rest of their lives. And, you know, I say this all over the state and it really bothers me. We can no longer as a society continue sending generation after generation of young kids into a four-year degree system where they're coming out with degrees in Egyptian poetry hundred thousand dollars in debt and they can't find a job all the while there are hundreds of thousands of positions available in the trades as our trade men and women are retiring dying uh and they're not being replaced and so um i hope that makes sense i'm preaching a message of self-sufficiency i want our people to be self-sufficient and take pride in their work and um And so I think the board positions of lieutenant governor are highly relevant to doing that. I'd like to insert myself in the apprenticeship program here in North Carolina, which is currently residing in the community college system. I don't want to bash our apprenticeship program, uh, but it's clunky in comparison to other states, Texas, Georgia, South Carolina. uh, It's clunky. It's not over-publicized. It's not well-publicized. It's not over-utilized. I don't believe we use our tax incentive structure uh, to incentivize companies to create it, um, and we need that. We need to create a permanent pipeline, permanent, uh, across all industries of uh, reoccurring talent. Uh, I hear all the time from employers all over the state that they can't find the skilled labor that they need uh, in the skilled work. And, uh, and so I want to insert myself in the apprenticeship program, help retool it, and make it more user-friendly, more well-known, more publicized, and incentivize it properly so more companies participate. So it's things like that that I can do from the office of lieutenant governor, and I'm excited about it.
0: When we return, I'll continue my interview with Hal Weatherman, who's running for lieutenant governor on the Republican side. Early voting is already underway. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Tuesday night as I continue my interview with Lieutenant Governor Candidate Hal Weatherman. He's considered one of the top two or three frontrunners to win the primary, which is on March 5th. Early voting is already underway. So Hal, most Republicans have the same core belief system, including the candidates. Is there anything that separates you from the other candidates, maybe other than your background when it comes to policies, or are they all pretty much the same and the backgrounds are different? It's a good question.
1: There's going to be a lot of similarities. You know, I've I've gotten to know all the candidates that that are running, that we're all running against one another right now. And we treat each other with civility and respect, and we've done multiple candidate forums. And I think most of their their hearts are in the right place, and and they have many similar views. Uh, There are multiple ones of us, you know, me included. I consider myself a limited government constitutional conservative. I think there are several people that meet that bill. I do think you have to, if you're a voter and you're trying to educate yourself on what differentiates, you know, policy would be one. Uh, The other would be what is the role of the office? There are several people in in my race that think the job is more of a liaison position, a liaison between um, the governor, um, executive branch, and the general assembly. I reject that. I I think it could be so much more than that. I'm not running to to be – the errand boy between the governor and the general assembly are back and forth. Uh, don't get me wrong. I absolutely will work with both sides in all of that. But I want to use the position itself and the limited duties it has, but it still has duties. Uh, like I said, the two board appointments. And I want to use it to its fullest and drive an agenda that I believe that I'm out there selling right now to the people. I'm being very open about it. if you elect me, here are the things I'm going to lift up and I'm going I'm going to champion. And that's regardless of who is in the governor's mansion. Uh, or who's in control of the General Assembly. I think that would be part of it. The other one would be my work ethic. Um, You know, I got into this race. I I always think about, in political races, always assume somebody will get in the race with more money. Always assume somebody will get in the the race with more name ID. But nobody will get in the race that will outwork me. That's something I can control, and my small campaign team can control. And so, you know, any campaign I've ever been involved with, we set a pace. And it's a brutal pace, and like I said, the travel is just part of it. And The travel is not a PR stunt. I take very seriously that that if I have the honor and the privilege to be lieutenant governor, I need to hit the ground running. So there'll be no on-the-job training for me, and that would be different from some of the other candidates. I know the Senate. I worked, you know, I was the chief of staff for the president of the Senate for the last lieutenant governor. So I know the in, in, ins and outs of the Senate. I know ins and outs of the General Assembly. I know the ins and outs of the executive branch, both under a Democrat governor and a Republican governor. And I know the parameters of the Office of Lieutenant Governor. And, um, and I know the state. Um, again, I go back to I really feel strongly that you have to know the state if you want to lead the state. You have to know the strengths of the state. You have to know the weaknesses of the state. You have to know the strengths so you can play to them, and you have to know the weaknesses so you can mitigate them. But I think we live in a dangerous world. We really do. You know, I'm, I'm seeing trains derail around the country in strategic locations, carrying strategic materials that, uh, in effect, weaponizes the train. I'm seeing rolling blackouts in the great state of North Carolina, which we've never seen before. I'm seeing electrical substations be attacked in the center part of our state, and they're attacking the parts we don't have replacement parts for. I'm seeing China come into our uh, state and buy our sovereign farmland, which I'm smart enough to know is their effort to manipulate our food supply. And that day that China flew the spy balloon over the great state of North Carolina, it flew over every one of our military installations. It flew over all of our critical resources, all of our nuclear power plants. And we as a people had to sit back impotently and do nothing. And that's when you know your state is not preparing. We're not preparing for the day of reckoning that's coming upon this country. I don't know what that will be. I don't know if it would be a financial meltdown uh, of epic proportions. I don't know if it would be COVID on steroids. I mean, think about COVID at a 98.8% survival rate, and how many civil liberties did we give up for something with a 98.8% survival rate? What if COVID comes back and it takes one out of every 10 lives? Could you imagine the civil liberties that we will sacrifice? I can. Or what if, you know, if your listeners uh, on here are believers, I'm a believer, um, what if – As believers, we start feeling like we move from a society where we feel persecuted for our beliefs to where we're actually prosecuted for our beliefs. And there's a difference between those two words. And I think the birth pangs of that are all around us right now. My point is, whatever it is, whatever the future holds for this country, I don't believe the salvation of of this country to turn things around is going to come from D.C. I actually believe it's going to come from the states. And when that day of reckoning comes, you better hope and pray that you have a limited government, constitutional, conservative governor and lieutenant governor to stand in the gap for you to protect your civil liberties um, and to know the state and and to prepare the state. And I don't see us preparing. uh, I I look at the complete collapse of our southern border, U.S. border, and the people coming across the border, Uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions from countries that wish us ill. And you can take to the bank that the next governor of this state and every state in the union is going to encounter homegrown jihadi based terrorism on our soil. We will. We absolutely will. And if we're not even thinking about these things and preparing about these things, to whom are we going to give our trust? To the same federal administration, the Biden administration that allowed China to fly a spy balloon over all of our resources? I'm not. And I think there are millions of people around the state that are looking for leadership to prepare for the uncertain future uh, that faces our country. And so, you know, I know that's a that's a mouthful, but that's kind of, you know, some differences of, between me and perhaps some of my other opponents of, of the issues that we lift up, the role of the office itself, the work ethic we take into it, and the experience level. I think my experience, you know, my entire career um, your, some of your listeners know not only was I Dan Force's chief of staff, but I was Charlotte, you know, I, I used to live in Charlotte. I was Sue Myrick when she was in Congress. I was her chief of staff for most of her 18 years that she was in Congress. And, um, you know, I share that because my entire political career, I've never been elected uh, myself, has been the number two guy. Chief of staff the number two guy. And, you know, I'm running in my own right now, and I'm fully aware that if I win, if I'm successful, if the people have me, I will find myself in the number two role again, number two to the governor. We don't run as a ticket, um, but I think my 30 years of experience, state and federal, um, will be invaluable to the incoming governor of the state. I think they will be invaluable uh, to him. And uh, and so I want to serve the people that elect me if I'm elected, but I also want to faithfully serve the governor as well, um, you know, so that we can lift up this state and prepare for the challenges that I believe are coming our way.
0: So last question here with Hal Weatherman, who's running for lieutenant governor on the Republican side. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you want to discuss? And if everything was covered, is there a final statement that you'd like to make?
1: Uh, no, I'm fine with all everything. Thank, one, thank you for the opportunity. Um, to get the word out uh, about my campaign and other candidates running for office. It's a huge help to us. You know, it would be my honor. It would be my honor and my privilege um, to serve the people of North Carolina. Um, I truly love the state. I was born in the state. I've loved it. I have spent the last 10 years of my life traveling it and learning it. And um, whether that was by design, by God's providence, to put me in that position so that I could intimately learn the state um, or by chance, um, I believe you have to know the state and know it intimately. You know, I believe the Bible to be true. And the Bible is very clear. It says that a people without a vision, they perish. And my question to, the, to your listeners is, what's the current vision of North Carolina? I'll even go one step further. What's the current vision of America? And if you can't answer that and the Bible will be true, then we as a people are currently in a state of perishment right now. I'm running for lieutenant governor uh, with 30 years of experience and of traveling the state, knowing it, and I want to put myself forward to help the next governor of this state paint a vision for this state and prepare us for what I believe could be dangerous days ahead in our country. And um, and I hope that people um, will consider me. They can learn more about me at howweatherman.com. I'm on all social social media platforms, uh, or they can come out and hear me. I, I post every week. Teasers of where I'm going to be. I'll be in Wilson County tonight uh, speaking. Um, I'll be in uh, Alamance County uh, later this week speaking. I'll be all over the state on Saturday speaking. Um, Come out and talk with me. I'm interviewing for the job. That's what I tell people. My travel around the state is me interviewing for the job. I'm very aware if I win this position. You don't work for me. I work for you. And so I am interviewing for the job, trying to meet you, trying to shake your hand. All my speeches are unfiltered. None of them are scripted. I take Q&A to every one of them. I, got, I get asked everything. <laughs> Good questions to bad. And um, and I love it because I want to represent the people. And the only thing I'll, I'll simply say is this. I really do want my campaign to be different. I am trying to reconnect with people. I think it's what we've missed in politics. In in an age of consultant-driven politics, which is based on 30-second, let's be honest, attack ads ripping people to shreds, I'm trying to say let's reject that. Let's reconnect with people by traveling the state, meet with them unfiltered, uh, talk with them, and um, and I hope I'm making sense. I just you know it'd be my honor to serve the people if they'll have me, and I make no promises other than I will not let them down if they give me that opportunity.
0: Hal Weatherman, running for lieutenant governor. I really appreciate you joining me tonight.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
0: When we return, my exclusive interview with Riley Gaines. But right now, let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson.